Courageous, Successful, and Happy isn't a goal. It's not a place to get to. It's a place to come from. I'm Tracy Oswald, and I am the High Achievers Coach, and each week we are going to get real and go deep on what's holding you back, how to face it head on so you can finally live your vision with clarity and confidence. Hey, you guys, how are you? I am so good. (laughs) I know, I know I always say that, but I really am. I'm I'm really good. Not that I don't have bad days. Some days I straight up don't have a good day like everyone else, but it's always a choice, right? And you can always take a nap or do something else to distract you to kind of bring you back to where you want to be um, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and all of that. So, so you guys, you know that when you record a podcast, um, a lot of the people that I know that record podcasts record them in batches. So I might sit down and I'm sitting down today recording three or four. So you might not hear a couple of these until, you know, next month. Um, and as I was writing, you know, the the notes for, for each of the shows, uh, I was super excited about this episode because this is one of my favorite things to talk about from an artistic perspective to um, to a personal growth perspective and how we think about what's possible. Um, so I'm super excited to dig in with you guys. And what makes it even more magical was the thing that happened to me when I was sitting down to create the notes for this. So a couple nights ago, uh, you know, I was in my Google Drive and in Google Sheets and putting together how I wanted to talk about this and how I was going to thread the needle through the experience that I had um, with suspension of disbelief and tie it to how we can use it to achieve the goals that we want to achieve and live the life that we really want to live. And I, and I had this idea that um, I was going to reach out to someone. So the experience we're going to talk about that I went to is called Elgin Park, and it's an immersive experience. It's over now. You can't go see it, so I'm sorry, but I still want to tell you about it because it's really awesome. Um, and the the writer, the creator, um, and the star of this show, Elgin Park, his name is Drew Peterson. And I'll tell you a little bit more about him in a second, but he he said something in the show over and over. It was sort of like this, the theme of the sh- of the experience and really what he wanted us to be thinking about throughout the whole um, throughout the whole show and experience. And I couldn't remember how he said it. So I was like, I was connected to him on Instagram. I follow him on Instagram and I'm, I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna, I don't know, I'm just gonna DM him on Instagram and see what happens. And I reached out to him and not thinking, I, I, you know, I didn't know him. So I really didn't even think I was going to get a response. Not that I was skeptical or cynical, but you know how these things go. Um, and probably, I don't know, maybe an hour or so later, you know, he, he, the, what I said to him, the message I said was, Hey, Hey, I, you know, big fan, love the show. Great experience. You said something in the show, you know, the sentence, and I can't remember how you said it. Is this what you said? And he writes back, you know, something like, hey, you know, th- so glad you enjoyed the show. I said this a couple of different ways, but why don't I just send you the entire script of the show and you can just, you know, take what you want from it or, you know, read it there. Like, what? Like, I, I, first I was blown away, number one, that I got a response. Number two, it was so much more than I asked for. Like, think of the generosity of this person, like to trust me with his art. Like to trust me with this, his creation 
You know, I got to see and experience it and feel it and learn from it. But now he was giving me the bones, right? The body, the flesh, the blood. Oh, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. Um, and and the next morning, lo and behold, you know, he said, send me your email and I'll send it to you. I'm like, oh my God, like a kid at Christmas, right? So the next morning I wake up and lo and behold, in my inbox was the whole entire script. And, you know, I, I've sat and read it a few times and it's almost like I want to skim over it really fast because I want to savor it for like when I have like time to really digest and absorb it like a really good book. Um, so I'm still going to do that, but um, just, it, it, changed the, it changed the way I think about asking people for things kind of also give it, you might get something out of it, right? But it also gives them the ability to share their greatest gifts at their highest level with you if they want to, right? If if they feel like it. And so it's like this re- huge two-way street that, and I never saw giving in this dimension or asking in this dimension. So I think it forever changed the way I think about not being shy about asking for things. So really super cool experience. All right. So we are talking about suspension of disbelief and how to harness it to, to reach your goals. And the the show I saw, like I said, it, it's um, it's called uh, Elgin Park and perf- written and performed by Drew Peterson at a space called Wildrance. And I saw this show back in... June, I think it was when I was in um, when I was in New York City for the Growth Lab Show podcast, and Wildrance is it's called a consulting studio and a storytelling space, um, but it's almost like this alive space, and it's deep down in the heart of Chinatown, like down below the street and the noise and the hustle and bustle of New York City. It's this really intimate and cozy, magical setting for the audience to like be enveloped and seduced and swept away by stories and experience. There, there's, this, um, there's this great podcast episode on the No Presidium podcast, my favorite immersive um, and experiential theater podcast uh, w- with the creators of the space, uh, Yvonne Chang and Jay Lee. They were guests on the show. And it was, if you want to go check it out, it's No Presidium podcast Um it's episode 168 back in October of 2018, where they kind of talk about how they came up with the concept for the space. And it's just really interesting. So again, Drew Peterson, he wrote the story. He's a, he's a New York City-based artist and educator. And he's he's worked with and he's created content for the likes of Park Avenue Armory, uh, Lincoln Center, the Kennedy Center, the New Victory Theater. So this guy has chops, right? He's super legit. Originally from Philly. He comes from a family of artists in the form of architecture, design, fashion, theater, and music. So um, super, super talented guy. And um, he wrote this show. And I want to start out by saying um, the line of the show that I, that I DM'd him about on Instagram was, the strongest lie is the one the audience tells itself. And it's really, it's like a time-tested saying, right? We've heard, you've heard it before. And it usually refers to, you know, most directly magic tricks, right? We, when we see magic, when we experience magic, we have to tell ourselves a lie about what's happening because it, it doesn't jive with what we know in our brains to be true. 
And this is really the elemental form of, of suspension of disbelief. The story is about a reclusive model maker named Michael Smith, who has never left the city limits of this small American town he calls home, Elgin Park. And his brother, Paul Smith, a famous magician called the Spectral, right? Like what a name, right? For a magician. It's so cool. Now, when Paul disappears without a trace, Michael sets out on this journey to find him along with the help of the good citizens of Elgin Park. And it stitches together immersive theater, intimate storytelling, and like ornate, like miniature scenic design and installation. Elgin Park is this live, theatrical, cozy, and mysterious ghost story of sorts about a family, about imagination, about aloneness, and kind of like the spirit and magic that lives within this small community, but also that lives within each and every one of us. The strongest lie is the one the audience tells themselves. And to really feel a story, whether it's an immersive show like this one or a play we go to or like a movie that you might go to on Saturday night or books that we read, our brains have to be able to suspend disbelief and allow us to believe in the illogical, to believe in the unreal and the fantastical, all for our own enjoyment, purely for our own enjoyment. And I love this. It's this clever trick we play on ourselves, right? Like our brains know that it's not real, yet we allow our brains to believe it's real so we can feel that emotional connection and that, that you know, fright and that horror or that love or that passion or whatever the author wants us to feel we suspend our disbelief to make that happen. And this term, I mean, the, 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 the concept of suspension of disbelief has been around forever. But, but back in 1817, Samuel, uh, Samuel Taylor Coleridge, he was an American poet. He coined the term suspension of disbelief when he asked his readers of his fantastical poems. Um, and one of his poems was called The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Really, really cool if you ever get to, to read that. He asked them to give him that willing suspension of disbelief for the moment, which constitutes poetic faith. And that phrase, that poetic faith, it's exactly what our brain's doing in these moments, right? It's not so much that we stop disbelieving, right? That we stop thinking it's not real. It's that we allow our brains to believe two inconsistent things, right? It's this beautiful... Um, disharmony that creates this feeling of realness for us. Our, because our logical brains know that we're sitting and reading and reading words and not really experiencing this thing, or we're, we're watching a movie and it's, we're not really in the movie, but we also believe and feel that what we're seeing or reading is actually happening, right? We lose ourselves. We're transported to this other place in time. We cease to be aware, like aware of our body, aware of how we're sitting or standing or walking or our posture or our environment. And our brains, and in, in large part, the limbic system in our brains causes us to feel these emotions, whether it's anger, disgust, or jealousy, desire, you know, whatever, about the stories we're watching or reading. And guys, the emotions and the feelings are the key because they help us to really invest in a story, no matter how like unbelievable it is. And you guys, you know, and you will come to know that I am really good at this. Um, 
my passion for immersive theater has allowed me, and my study also of it, has allowed me to take this concept to an entirely new level. And I've gotten really, really good at believing in the moment I find myself in and also crafting moments and realities to believe that might not be true in the outside world if people were were looking, but inside my mind, inside my brain, they are absolutely real to me. Believing that the space is real, believing that the characters are real, believing that my connection to them is absolute. And I know you guys, like some people think I am way freaking out there because I can do this really well. That, That it's almost like I like the untrue, like the magical and the fantastical more than I do real life. But I don't know, like who's to say what's actually true, but the experiencer of the thing, right? My experiences are absolutely true to me, whether they're true to you or not. So back to Elgin Park, back to that you know, it was a really rainy night in uh, in June in New York City, and Stephanie, my teammate, hey Stephanie, if you're listening, love you. Um, so Stephanie and I, are, like, we're standing outside this unmarked bright blue door on Canal Street, and like I said, it's raining. We just had a really great dinner um, at this uh, awesome bistro. I can't remember the bistro, but I'll be sure to put it in the show notes. Um, the food was really good, and like this is the opening scene of Elgin Park, standing outside this bright blue door on Canal Street. And the doors opened and we're encouraged to descend down this flight of stairs. And and of course, you guys, duh, yes, I was first in line. Like I shoved Stephanie out of the way. I made sure we were there before, you know, well before we had to be because I like to be first in these experiences. I want to feel all the feelings first. Um, so I, you know, as I'm walking down the steps, I noticed the pictures on the wall and there were you know, like signs and pictures and sort of like welcoming us to Elgin Park as if we were tourists, like visiting this like lively little American hometown. And, you know, the, there was probably, I don't know, maybe about 10 or 12 of us max. Um, so we were all crowded in this stairwell, waiting at the bottom of the stairs for a few minutes, like chuckling with like nervous laughter as you usually do before these things. Cause like you're tingling with anticipation and cause you want to get to the next really good part. Um, but the part you're in is also really good. And that's why it's giving you this, this really awesome feeling. And finally we're ushered into this waiting room kind of with, and it has like, like I talked about earlier, like these m- miniature replicas of, like um like benches and trees and houses and cars and like street lamps and sort of lots of other nostalgic pieces laying around you might find in, in an antique store old postcards and books that sort of thing and it, it was like they were all you know the precursor to Michael Smith's miniature models which we you know finally really experienced in the finale and we'll get to that so the charming host Drew Peterson um, who we learn is the narrator of this story. He he kind of welcomes us with like the nervous energy that hosts get before like welcoming people into their house for like a dinner party or, you know, something like that. Like very flurried, very, you know, excited and nervous um, and also familiar. Like you felt like he was expecting us and really super excited that we were there. And I counted, I think I counted like, like I said, around 10 people we arranged ourselves against the um, the th- three of the walls, or you know, the outskirts of the walls of this really small room, 
And we're all turning to look at our host, the narrator. And he stands in front of this old-fashioned rotary phone that has this light shining on it, on it, like as if it what, like if the phone was the star of the show, right? And he's patiently waiting, smiling, you know, he's got really cool, like fun, quirky gestures. And we settle in, and then, of course, the phone rings. And he picks up the receiver. And we get to listen to, like on like the loudspeaker, as if we were like listening on the phone, to this conversation between Michael Smith and a detective. And the narrator, he's obviously heard this phone conversation many times because he's mouthing the words and sort of playing along with the words um, with the whole conversation that's happening. And that's the beginning of our story, the story where... Michael Smith's brother, Paul, the famous magician, the spectral, has gone missing from Elgin Park. And what followed was this really intimate, enchanting, mysterious sort of ghost story that transports all 10 of us deep into the heart of Elgin Park and into the relationship between Michael and his brother, Paul. And it wasn't a, a choose-your-own-adventure immersive experience where you get to kind of do go wherever you want. It was more like, um, like a promenade where um, you're ushered from space to space in a timeline with a definitely interaction from the players, um, but it, it felt fully immersive. We were in Elgin Park, you guys, right in its heart. But as the narrator reminds us over and over, our brain is kind of like the magician, right, misdirecting us getting us to look at the wrong thing, missing the entire big picture. But in that moment, I felt it. I believed it. In that moment, I was there. And so my question to you is who's to say what's real? Because we already believe so many things that we can't see or hear or prove, like God or God's religion, gravity, right? We believe in these big concepts that we can't, that we can't see or touch, and that's what makes us, I think, that's what makes us really fascinating creatures. Things, things become real for us because we believe them, often without evidence to prove any of, any of it. So if we can suspend disbelief to feel joy and feel fun and feel magic, why can't we do it for ourselves and for our own growth? Like, why can't we believe in ourselves? to help us accomplish our goals. All right, so like, here's what I mean. To reach a goal, a really big goal, or any goal, we know we have to, but especially a big goal, we know we have to do things we've never done before, right? We have to think thoughts we've never thought before. We have to become bigger than our circumstances or our current reality. And that means we have to actually feel and act as the person who already has the thing in order to create the thing. Like, like my brain hurt, like your brain hurts thinking about it, right? You have to feel and act as the person who already has the thing in order to create the thing. We have to suspend our own disbelief that we are not, in fact, this person already. So we have to not just think the thoughts, but actually feel the feelings. And you guys, this part is critical because how many times, and I know this has happened to me a lot, um, and probably you guys too, how many times have you? Try to make something happen 
by thinking the thoughts, like, or saying a mantra or saying words, but you didn't really believe them, but you were saying them as if you believed them, but down in your heart, you really didn't believe. And the thing, of course, like it doesn't happen um, because you didn't believe, like saying the words and not believing them is not going to make the thing happen. And I've had, I mean, I've had that happen to me a bunch of times, but one of my biggest and most public failures was because, because of this like very thing. Um, I'm sharing all of my vulnerable stories with you guys. Um, and it's kind of scary, uh, but here we go. So a couple of years ago, I had this really big idea. I mean, really big idea to put on an event called the Intentional Life Lab, which was an all-day in-person experience seminar kind of thing where we would do live coaching and help people create really actionable plans to live a much more intentional life, right? To step out of default mode and to really live an intentional life. So I recruited two of my really good friends and fellow coaches, Natalie and John. Hey, guys. Um, And we came up with like this really killer plan, right? We rented a space in Texas. Um, They both live, they don't live here, but they were going to fly in and we were going to put on this like really big show. Um, We rented the space, paid a lot of money, um, did Facebook advertising, paid money for that, held webinars to get people to register. Um, And the meeting space was big. It held up to 100 people, this really, really big room um, in Richardson. Um, We put it on Eventbrite, like the whole works. This was like as if you were putting on an event at your job, right? When we spent months, uh, months and months and weeks and hours, told everyone about it. Um, And the whole time, my words were all the right ones. Like I was taking massive action, but there was, I don't know, like there was something not quite right. You ever like... You're in a situation where you're like, this all looks and feels right, but something's off and you can't tell what it is. Like in that moment, I was the magician. I was misdirecting myself, fear in my heart, fear that I wouldn't be able to pull this off, that I couldn't do it. But my logical brain knew I had a plan, so it kept going, right? Like you guys, it didn't stop me from being excited about it. I was acting all of the parts of excitement and we're driving and I was in action and getting up like early and staying up late to do all of the things because like full-time job during the day, right? So I was doing all of the hard work. But that feeling of fear that I would never be able to fill up the room, that no one would want to sign up, that I would disappoint my friends who I convinced to do this with me, by the way, those feelings overrode all of the other feelings, thoughts, and, and the massive action I was taking. It was like the energy I was emitting about this event was in stark contradiction to the actions that I was taking. And I was never going to be able to attract the kind of energy to make this event happen because I was never going to be able to create the momentum of energy to create this incredible event from a place of fear of not being able to do it. Like, do you guys get where I'm coming from? You, you know exactly what I mean. And I bet you can think of like a couple of times in your life where this absolutely happened to you. Like you were me in this moment. You had this, you created this for yourself. 
I wasn't able to think, feel, and act greater than my circumstances. I wasn't able to be the person who already fills like a 100-room conference center before I filled the 100-room conference center because I couldn't suspend my disbelief about myself, about my circumstances, and about what was possible. Think about that. And I want to say it again. I wasn't able to suspend my disbelief about myself, my current circumstances, and what was possible. I wasn't able to have access to being the person who fills the 100-room conference center before I filled the 100-room conference center. And that was exactly what I had to do in order to fill the 100-room conference center. One of my favorite scenes in Elgin Park was when Drew Peterson's character, the narrator, tells us Michael and Paul's story and the events leading directly up to Paul's disappearance. And the scene it was just so delicious. The scene took place in this old-fashioned library of sorts where the guests, right, the travelers to Elgin Park, uh, all 10 of us, we were encouraged to like, take a seat on the floor while the narrator spun his really glorious tale. It was kind of like we were um, like we were kids, like we were children gathered around the campfire. It really felt like that. Like I was sitting cross-legged, like where was the fire and the marshmallows? We were leaning forward with this in, an intense anticipation, willing and eager to believe anything, he said. And it was just pure magic. And for those brief moments on that like really warm rainy June night in Chinatown, deep in the heart of New York City, it was real for me. And so many of the other guests. And, and so we, if we all have this ability to suspend disbelief and, and we can turn it on and off at will, why don't we choose to, to believe unbelievable things about ourselves, right? Why don't we use it to believe we are that person? Like why, why, why couldn't I use it? And I can now because I see it, but I like, why can't I use it now to believe something about myself, about a big goal I want to reach now and be that person now so that I can create the thing? Why can't you use it to believe that you get up every day and like think thoughts that a person that achieves the kind of goal that you want to achieve thinks to feel the kind of feelings that a person that achieves the kind of goal that you want to create feels to actually achieve it? Because you guys, it's not the it's not the action that you need to worry about. As high achievers, like you're already good at taking action. We don't even have to talk about that. Action plans follow up like you got that stuff. I know it. The action, that's not the work that's going to help you. It's not it's not the work that's going to help you up level. The work that's going to help you up level, it's all mind work from here on out. I'm sorry to tell you. Like what got you here is not going to get you there. You already have those skills. We're over it, guys. Like I get it. You can plan, like a plan within an inch of his life. To get to that next level, it's all about the mind work. To get to that next level, you have to change what you believe to be true about you, about the world, and about what's possible. So you guys, your work for this week is for you to become that person that already has the thing that you want. To do that, you have to believe in the unseen the unrealized, and make it so real for yourself that you believe it with every fiber of your being and you feel it. That's the work. The strongest lie 
is the one the audience tells themselves. And the kicker, guys, is that the entire experience, the whole story about Elgin Park, about you know Michael's magician brother, Paul, the spectral, who disappeared from Elgin Park, didn't exist. Paul didn't exist, and Elgin Park didn't exist. And it was right before our eyes in the show the whole time. And the narrator, Drew, if you're listening, and I hope you do, you were telling us this whole time that we were in there. The biggest lie is the one the audience tells itself. It was genius. And if we really wanted to see it, we could have. So that begs two questions. How is your brain just like Michael Smith, making up things, things that aren't true, and asking you, lulling you into believing them, number one. Number two, where can you suspend disbelief in what is so you can be who you want to become? All right, you guys, man, I am tired from this show. This took a lot out of me. I feel you. I get where you're coming from. It's been so much fun sharing this with you. And guys, if you like what you hear and you want more, please take a hot minute to leave a rating and review. It would mean the world to me, truly. Um, And it does mean the world to me. Every time I get a rating and review, it's like my heart goes on fire and um, just there's so much love both ways. And it helps people just like you who want to find the show and live big and really interesting lives find the show. So again, you know your homework. Um, Until next time, until next week, um, go do the work and we will talk next week. Love you guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of Courageous, Successful, and Happy. It's not a place to get to. It is a place to come from. Listen, if you love what you're hearing, head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is so appreciated. And I will talk to you guys next week.